It's Wednesday, April 17th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and for Million Dollar Portfolio, Charlie Travers. Happy Wednesday, guys. Happy Hump Day. Happy Hump Day. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Market Foolery. Um, longtime listener Jennings Tinsley reached out to us on Twitter last night and he wrote, I could go for a round of undervalued, overvalued, overlooked soon. Uh, with all due respect, it's earnings palooza. Yeah. <laughs> we got earnings. <laughs> maybe wa- we, maybe we need like, you know, sometimes you buy a CD and there's like a hidden 13th or 14th <laughs> track. Maybe we could have like a hidden sort of undervalued overvalued. Maybe, but for right now, earnings palooza rolls on. We're going to talk Yahoo. We're going to talk Mattel, but we're going to start with Intel. Intel's first quarter profit of $2 billion was about what analysts were expecting. Uh, but, Charlie, that is down from the $2.7 billion in the first quarter last year. Uh, overall revenue down 2%. Uh, you know, there, there was some good there, I think, in their data center business. But the main story that people are focusing on is just sort of the Intel's role in the continuing drop in PC sales. And that, I think, has people a little bit spooked. I think we can call it malaise. I think that's an accurate adjective (laughs) for the PC market. That's certainly one of them. And uh, Intel, as the largest processor maker for PCs, is certainly feeling the pain. Uh, Revenue is only down 2%, like you mentioned, but earnings is down 25%. That's just brutal. Um, But there is hope. Uh, the company did say they're guiding for revenue to grow slightly this year. And how that's going to happen is through Ultrabooks and tablets. Uh, Intel is rolling out a new processor uh, called Haswell, which is going to increase the performance and the battery life compared to what they have now, which makes them competitive compared to ARM uh, processors, uh, which have just dominated the tablet space over the re- past few years. So that's really the light at the end of the tunnel for Intel is getting away from, you know, PCs, uh, the kind of big bulky things that sit under your desk that no one really wants anymore and into the mobile devices. Yeah, Jason, when you consider the fact that, uh, in terms of their full year guidance, they didn't, they're maintaining their gross margin guidance for the entire year. That, that was the thing that sort of made me go, oh, okay, well, maybe, maybe they are fine because that, that seems like the kind of thing that you're only going to maintain that guidance if you feel like the second half of the year is going to, is going to be really strong. Yeah. And I mean, that's, you know, I mean, the, the, so the move towards mobile is obviously a very big deal. And we saw this recent report, uh, was it from IDC? Yes. It just looks like PC, PC shipments are falling off the face of the earth. And so I guess that's where I was, I was wondering. I mean, I know that Intel has the exposure to the mobile as well. And, and I follow Qualcomm, uh, over in Motley Fool One, which is just interesting from that perspective because they are benefiting so much from this move to mobile. Um, it, so it was encouraging to see that Intel does see at least profitability maintaining. And I guess that's based on robust demand in the second half of the year, which we'll have to see if that actually plays out or not. How how dependent? I just don't know this, but how dependent is Intel on something like a Microsoft Windows? Because is a lot of their success based on the success of Windows Eight, or do you feel like they have historically in the PC market? Absolutely, uh, in tablets, however, they are running Windows Eight and Android tablets as well. So they're almost platform agnostic at this point, uh, which is a huge change for them. You know, the typical the uh, Intel right. duopoly. Uh, so they did say tablet volumes doubled in Q1 compared to Q4, and they're going to double again in Q2. And because of this new processor I mentioned, as we get towards the end of the year in the holiday season, they said they're going to get down to 200 
$1,500 Windows tablets, which one of the reasons I think Windows tablets haven't sold well is the cost. You know, the Surface RT was $500 right. compared to an iPad. Uh, everybody's going to go with an iPad at that point. Uh, and when you have Kindle Fire and the Galaxy on the low end and Windows didn't have a competitive offering at that $200 price point, that looks like it's going to change and change in part due to Intel technology. So... The fear that some have that Intel has missed the boat on mobile, you don't share that? Uh, well, let's, uh, not at this point, and we'll revisit at the end of the year. And I think the other point that uh, Intel has going forward is uh, their server processors. As we, you know, cloud computing, you know, getting uh, into the data centers, that's the wave of the future, and those are all running on Intel uh, processors. Uh, b- before we wrap up on the stock, I-, I think it's worth mentioning, Paul... Uh Otolini, is that how you pronounce it? So. The CEO. He's been CEO since uh, mid-May 2005. He is stepping down next month. This is a guy who's been at Intel for nearly 40 years. And as we have talked about before, CEO transitions are tough to pull off. And I guess my question for you is how concerned are you about that? Because they haven't named a replacement. They're presumably looking for someone. And this is... You know, we talked about, we talked last <laughs> week about J.C. Penney, and you made the point, Jason, gosh, you know, who would want that job? You know, that's why they bring back Mike Ullman, because who would want that job, and what would they have to do to get someone in the door? On the flip side, I feel like Intel, that, this seems like a pretty, uh, while there is probably going to be a lot of pressure that comes with being in the CEO's office at Intel, it also seems like a pretty plum, you know, cream of the crop company. Um, what do you think about when you when you think about them looking to replace this guy? So I, I think Intel, uh, their profits are going to be down a little bit this year, but they're also not in a catastrophic turnaround mode. And so I think uh, there's no reason to panic, I think, taking their time to get the right person. And, and I think um, they were a little bit late to the game on mobile and got caught a little off guard by arm there. Uh, somebody with their finger on the pulse of where technology is heading and the kind of processors they need uh, is the person I would want to see in here. Shares of Intel down this morning over the past year, down pretty significantly, uh, certainly compared to the overall performance of the market. What do you think of the stock right now? Is this is this a value, albeit an, an enormous technology value play? I actually bought shares last week, uh, so I think that gives you your answer. Uh, you get a nice four percent yield. Talking uh, his book, yeah. I, I think it's uh, you know cash flow machine, and you get a good dividend here. So I, I think it's a buy. Yahoo's first quarter revenue was flat, and the main culprit appears to be display advertising, which was down 11%. Uh, on the flip side, they, the stock got an upgrade from Bank of America, but the upgrade seemed to be based largely on uh, Yahoo's uh, ownership of Alibaba. Um, what did you make of their quarter? Uh, so it, it is a little weak, which was not all that surprising. But part of the display ad drop, uh, revenues down 11% there, was self-inflicted to improve the user experience. Uh, I think that's something as, you know, we're all on the Internet all the time and the ads can get really obnoxious. And one of the things that sure. Yahoo did was pull back some of the inventory, uh, pull back some of the pages that had ads on them. Uh, because you've been on those websites where it's like top 10 cities to retire in and you have to scroll through 10 individual pages. It's right. completely miserable to go through that as a user. And Yahoo, uh, because they want to have uh, hundreds of millions of people coming to their websites every month and sticking around in better engagement, uh, really made the call to improve the user experience uh, at the short-term cost of revenue. And I think in the long run, for the health of their business, this is the right decision. Um, 
we've talked before about you look at the universe of Yahoo and they have they have so many branded properties and and by branded I don't necessarily mean just Yahoo branded um, they have you know different web shows and uh, and sort of microsites and that sort of thing but as we've talked about before Yahoo Sports and Yahoo Finance are really really strong relative to other sites out there, even frankly compared to the likes of ESPN and, and that sort of thing. Um, is, is that the sort of thing that becomes increasingly important to them? Because that's, those are sort of content drivers that can prop up the advertising? Cause I, I totally get what you're saying about, and we've seen the, the redesign of their main page and they, they clearly are going after a better user experience. But it also seems like, you can give up some ad revenue on that, but only so much. And it seems right. like that would logically uh, result in a greater reliance on Yahoo Sports and Yahoo Finance and their other sort of stronger properties doing well. Right. Those core properties are really their crown jewels uh, and getting them nailed down on a mobile experience as well. Uh, but they are supplementing that. They've been very aggressive with acquisitions. Uh, you know, they do own Flickr. They just bought Sumly, which was a very popular mobile news aggregator. Uh, so they, they've they retrenched around those core properties, and I think they're looking to buy in other ones that are high engagement type, you know, experiences. Yeah, I think furthermore with those core properties, particularly something like a sports or a finance, and with this was riddled all throughout the call last night, was that they're really focused on personalizing the experience and, and being able to sort of translate it over to that mobile platform. And so when you look at something like a finance or a sports where it's going to be something that they're either – eyeballing the stocks or the companies that you like to follow or sports teams that you like to follow, making it very seamless and easy to find everything. I think that's a big deal. And and while it may not be necessarily translating into, into the top line today, I, I think it's the right move to make. I mean, they certainly understand the value of, of getting mobile right and figuring out how to, they how were to do that. pretty clear that uh, after high engagement does come better ad revenue down right. the road. Yeah, and I mean, paid clicks are up, right? price per click or how much they're pulling in per click is down. I mean, we've seen that same disparity with Google. I mean, it's just the nature of this business at this point. It's it's becoming more or less commoditized every day. Um, but I, I do think it was interesting to note in this call, because I th- when you have, whenever you have a new CEO come in, obviously there are going to be some changes. Some people are going to have some perceptions. Some people are going to leave. And I think that Marissa Meyer probably ruffled a few feathers with some of those moves. I think what bringing people in saying you can't work remotely or whatever. But she did make a point in the call to refer to uh, the, the employment situation there. They're pulling in uh, double the number of resumes that they were pulling in at the same time last year. Attrition's lower. And they were even seeing a big a boost in what they call boomerangs, which are essentially folks who used to work there, mm-hmm. uh, you know, subsequently left, but then when she came back, uh, they they reapplied. And so she said that of, of their new hires, 14% were, were boomerangs. And so I just, I wonder, it's it's not a, a it's it's not a given, but it's so, it's certainly a sign. I think that maybe she's creating a culture, uh, sort of turning a new page where people people believe in it and want to be a part of it again, uh, because it it did become a very sort of stagnant type of of environment. I think for a lot of years there just was no innovation well, and nothing going on. When Jerry Yang was forced out in two thousand nine, Yahoo went through six CEOs yeah. over the following three years. It had to be an absolute. <laughs> I, I mean, you walk in the door never knowing when the axe is going to fall, right. and you know people are worried about. If you're worried about your job, it's hard to do good work. And if your employees feel that way, it's hard to compete.
compete with Google and Facebook, uh, who are just rocking it. And so I think uh, when Marissa Meyer led off this conference call talking about all the employee initiatives and making Yahoo a great place to work, I don't think I've ever seen that from a CEO on their call before. Uh, and I think she absolutely has done a great job her first year here. Yeah, I agree. The shares are up more than 50% over the last year. Is it getting a little pricey, or do you feel like the results today maybe um – are, are keeping out people who would have otherwise jumped in and, and therefore the stock is still reasonably priced. I, I think given the progress they're making and the leadership of Marissa Meyer, I think they're attractively priced. Shares of Mattel hitting an all-time high today after first quarter profits more than quadrupled <laughs> thanks to strong sales from dolls like Monster High, Disney Princess, and American Girl. Those must have been some incredible... T- I'm sorry, their qua- their profits quadrupled. Well, let's be very clear here: the the profits did they quadrupled. Do they have because a horrible of a comp from last year? Okay, there was I was going to say, how bad year. was the comp? No, there was a charge last year they took that didn't translate to this year. So that's the difference. Uh, but with that said, I mean they did see a very uh, healthy little bump in revenue growth. I think it was somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, seven, yeah, seven percent revenue growth. Which really, it, it's interesting to see these toy companies. This is the this is the first quarter of the year. It's the quarter after the holiday quarter. It's n- notoriously the weakest. And when you look at a chart of the revenue and the earnings over the course of a year, this is this is like the bottom step, right? And it just climbs from there. But what I was fascinated to see by this was that their gross margin was up. Uh, almost, almost three and a half percentage points, which to me, I mean, that, that's amazing because a lot of times what happens is after that Christmas holiday, after the holiday season passes, they're looking to just unload all yeah, this excess all inventory. And they're just yeah. trying to get rid of it. And so normally you would see gross margin take a big hit. And I was looking over the past, you know, three, four, five years, and it was pretty consistent. That first quarter gross margin wasn't always that stellar. This, this quarter, it was, it was pretty solid, which means they, they were able to maintain pricing. I think they had a good healthy holiday quarter. Uh, and, and they've just been able to keep production costs in check. And, uh, I mean, when you look back over the course of time, this, this is a company with a lot of hot properties, whether it's Barbie, Hot Wheels, uh, Monster High, which we, we know so well, oh, obviously. Yeah. But and the American Girl, I think, which is just something that makes a killing. And I, I know I saw a lot of... of You're uh, talking a foreign language to yeah. me. <laughs> as, as a father with daughters, I mean, it's, it's I see it every single day and birthday parties and holidays and just... Uh, that that is a pricey endeavor, there, American Girl, and and their margins on that are tremendous. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the five year chart on the stock is phenomenal. It's just whipping the market by close to close to a hundred percentage points, and they've just done a great job returning value to shareholders with with a continually rising dividend and, and share buybacks. And so they've they've done a really good job. And to the stock performance over the long term, there have been points where Hasbro. Uh, stock has outperformed Mattel, but you look over the last couple of years, and it's not even close. Mattel is just sort of, just the the stock is just crushing Hasbro. It's almost a stop the fight situation, um, and I'm wondering, do you have any thoughts as to why that is? Is it just you know? Is it partly because of uh, distribution? I, well, know. part of it is that Mattel is a bigger company with a wider reach, and so they do have a better distribution model, at least with more production in more places around the world. So they're able to take advantage of some cost efficiencies there. But I also think it just it a lot of it comes down to what they're selling. I mean, I think that Mattel just has a superior catalog of brands underneath that Mattel umbrella, mm-hmm. and Hasbro has been. Trying a couple of other things, I mean this this venture with the Discovery Channel, with the Hub, uh, you know, it's arguable as to whether it's really a success or not. I've seen it before; my kids are watching, and I immediately change the channel. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, I, Mattel is just—it's a bigger company, better financial resources, yeah. better margins. So the stock well, now. Look, girls, Daddy better. wants to watch Breaking Bad. I was just gonna say. <laughs> and that has happened. I mean, I'm not going to deny that. Boy, if, 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 it's bath time. If, if, if Mattel comes out with a Walter White doll, <laughs> oh, you'll be loading up. Um, our producer Matt Greer, uh, researcher extraordinaire, has come up with the following Mattel quiz. Uh-oh. Which of the following is not a real Mattel doll? Is it A, Grandma Barbie, B, Pregnant Midge, C, Natural Barbie, or D, Shaving Fun Ken? Let me go through those again. Grandma Barbie, Pregnant Midge, Natural Barbie, or Shaving Fun Ken? And only one of those is fake. Only Only one one of those is not a real Mattel doll. The pregnant one. The pregnant one. What do you think, Jamal? I, I have a feeling that natural Barbie would be kind of nasty. Just sort of granola, needs a shave. I'm going to just go with That's your Barbie. objectionable one? Na- natural Barbie, I think, is going to be the fake. Natural Barbie is the fake one. Um, hey! Uh, Grandma Barbie and Grandpa Ken were part of Mattel's Happy Family co- uh, collection. I mean, why do you want to buy some hairy, smelly doll for uh, your kid, right? Believe me, we'll get, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, Midge had a magnetic belly with a little plastic baby inside. I'm reading directly from Max Research. When little girls felt it was time for Midge to deliver, they could pull the baby out themselves. Oh, no. What an awesome experience that must have been. Uh, Shaving Fun Ken debuted in 1994, and yes, there have been other shaving Ken dolls. Um, here's the thing with Natural Barbie. An artist um, by the name of Eddie Aguirre recently posted a photo online of what Barbie would look like without makeup. And she has dark circles under her eyes <laughs> and frizzy hair and her teeth are a little yellow and a little bit of acne going on. Uh, it's pretty interesting because the uh, uh, there were some people who were saying, hey, this is this is great. The, you know, because Barbie, I mean, come on, Barbie is a, what, it, it, what are the proportions? Like, if Barbie were a real woman, she'd be six feet tall yeah. and a, a 30, Completely realistic. 39 inch bust, but an 18 you. inch waist and all that sort of thing. And, and there are some people saying, hey, you know, this, this is good. And there are other people who are just like, no, this is horrible. You take this down. This is an abomination. It's certainly 180 degrees from every other image of Barbie that has ever been sure. projected. No That's, question. Absolutely. All right. Charlie Travers, Jason Moser. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank you, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.